We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith podcast. Liverpool 3, Newcastle United 1 in a disappointing. Can you be disappointed if you didn't expect to win? game at Anfield. I'm Charlotte Robson. I'm joined tonight by Norman Riley, who was there in the away end, and Emil Franchi, who was in his home watching on telly, just as I was. Um, thank you both for joining me. Norman, let's get straight into it. Um, how did you, how are you feeling after that? How, how, how are you feeling? Right now, incredibly tired, and uh, I've got a very sore throat from shouting. I also wore a mask. I don't know why, ultimately, because I don't know how much protection that mask can can give you in a situation where you're in like packed bars and then in a packed away end, and you're screaming and shouting and singing through the mask, through said mask. Pretty sure it was offering no protection, but you know, psychologically it helped at the time. Um, you know what you mentioned the word disappointing. I'm, it's difficult to be disappointed because ultimately that is almost like the default feeling at the minute, right? Um, Still very much behind Eddie Howe. I thought the game plan tonight, actually, initially or early on, looked really solid. I mean, it worked to a certain extent as we we took the lead, right? And it was only when Jamal Lewis went off that we lost that bit of shape. Look, I'm not trying to pay up over the cracks, right? I mean, if you look at the game on reflection, Liverpool had an insane amount of shots compared to us. They had, I think, 74% of the possession, 11 corners. We had zero corners. So they dominated, right, which we knew they would because they're one of the best teams in the world. It's as simple as that. But I did think that when Shelby popped off that, that lovely goal, that we were playing well. We, you know, we were having to defend deep, but the, the, the crunch and tackles were going in. We were closing down space. Blocks were getting put in. I thought Lewis um, on the left-hand side was coping with Sarah um, very, very well. And it looked like he'd made the right calls in terms of bringing back in Hayden. Um, definitely bringing Fraser in, because I was really impressed with Fraser. I must say, uh, overall, again, it might look different on TV, but from my kind of vantage point, Fraser was working so hard, and he did that until he was brought off. Um, so there were positives there. I'm a lot more positive. Positive is a tough word to use, isn't it, when you've just lost 3-1. I'm a lot more less downbeat than I was after Leicester, right? And what I said to, to Matt at the end of the game was those players won't be coming off the pitch tonight feeling like they did after the 4 defeat against Leicester. In a mm. bizarre way, I think despite the fact that we've lost, we'll actually have come out that game with, with more confidence, which sounds like a madness, but that performance was way, way, way better than Leicester. And ultimately, we did in patches give Liverpool, who are a very good side, probably could have gone up a couple of years, but we're, you know, we gave them a bit of a game for a while and I thought the game plan was a lot better than it was um, against Leicester. 
So we'll come on to um, that that comment that you made a little bit later about Liverpool sort of could have gone up a few gears because, um, you know, I, I do want to get into that a little bit. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that the I think that the game plan was stuck to. I think it was it was slightly off because Lewis had to go off. That injury was a big blow. Um, talk us through the away end. They were very loud on the um, on the radio tonight. My dad hates. Um, Stephen Manaman so much that he brings the radio into the living room and listens to BBC Radio Newcastle's ahead of the game commentary. So we know what's happening before it's on the telly. But uh, yeah, they were in full voice. I like the fact that he just doesn't put it on silent and watch it without noise instead of using the um, commentary that's ahead of the actual game itself. That is that is a genuine madness and fair play to that for Dean. Um, <laughs> the we end look initially. I mean, at least for the first half was incredibly loud and obviously you've got the two tiers there haven't you? you've got the upper and lower tier and i was in the lower tier and because you've got that tier there that the sound just reverberates right it, it acoustically just bounces off the top so it was dead loud like dead loud mark corby at one point said compare this to the noise of brighton which was very kind of sporadic right they're not you know those patches of noise whereas this felt like the whole away end liverpool were shockingly quiet i mean really really terribly quiet to the point where it's like are you bored of winning is this what it is you're just bored of winning it's too easy now um Fans were walking out at 2-1 after 82 minutes. 3-1. The, the, the score of the third goal was like an exodus. It was like, oh, yeah, game over now. Cheers and bye. Um, whereas the Newcastle fans... The best, don't they? Don't they? Well, exactly. When the Newcastle fans, foremost of the match, were in very good voice. There were some decent songs out there. What I will say is the anti-scout stuff is just, it's frankly an utter embarrassment. There's nothing bants about it at all. It's pathetic. And I genuinely feel ashamed when people start cranking up those anti-scout songs. Um but apart from the poverty ones, yeah, yeah, the poverty is. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even going to say the words to them. They're the no, no, just no. too embarrassing. Um, but um, in terms of support for the team, it was it was solid all throughout. And obviously, Mike Dean got some nifty little ditties uh, sung at him because the man is frankly, well, you know what? I'm not going to criticise him and nasty. I'm just going to say he's a very bizarre man. What a very bizarre human being. But um, the way and it was indecent voice. And, and before the match, I. Uh, my train was a bit delayed getting into Liverpool. I was getting out of Colchester. Some poor unfortunate had been killed on the real tracks. Um, oh, so I got, I got into London an hour late, um, which meant getting Liverpool an hour late. But I went into town. Liverpool's a brilliant city, brilliant city. Mm. I went into town. I had some fantastic food. Went and went to a pub, met a couple of mates. Went to another pub, met Mark. Um, had a pint with him. And then we headed to the, to the game. Um, it's one of those where I just think, I wish it had been like a Saturday game and I could have spent the weekend here because the football itself, like you remove that from it to a certain extent, you can just enjoy your brilliant city, which is kind of a yeah. running theme in Newcastle away matches, isn't it? Well, the last few years, you just try and enjoy the uh, the occasion in the city as opposed to the game itself. But no, no, the, the weekend for the most part was was good. And, and at the end of the game, the support for the team was was solid. You know, I think there is very much a, we're in this together. We'll have to be in this together. The only way we'll get out of this is if we stick together. So how when the lads came over and applauded the, the fans and I think people went away thinking, Roll on Man City, roll on Man City, despite the fact that it's, it's Man City and, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit tricky. I was just going to ask Norman, just because me and Charlotte were down at Leicester and it's before stuff's come in. I imagine a lot of fans are interested who are going to games if they are on. What was it like getting in with all of the new COVID stuff? Absolute piece of cake. Um, yeah. So there's a, like a, you get there and you're at the Anfield Road end and you've got a layer of stewards who tell you that you need to have your COVID pass and your ticket ready. And then you walk through the stewards and there's a layer of coppers and the coppers ask you the same thing to get ready for the stewards with your pass and your, and your ticket. So, you know, there's like a double double check almost. And then you get to the 
stewards in that had probably like a sort of wall of 10 that had each empty point. So I think it went from like maybe from L to, to Q perhaps in terms of their entrances and that each one of them kind of um, filtered off in, in files. So you couldn't just go into like a kind of mad melee of a queue and, you know, work your way work your way through to another queue. You had to like go into your lane basically, which involved me jumping over a fence because I got into the wrong one. Um, still agile, 45, still agile. And um, then you get the... <laughs> You get to the you get to the final steward and you, you show your pass and you show your ticket and and that was it. It was it was really straightforward. Mind you, I did ensure that I got the stadium at quarter past seven because I didn't want any kind of uh, carry on. So I was I was like on I was in the stand looking at the pitch at like seven thirty five. So maybe nice, maybe nice people have got to be their own show. Yeah, Sorry, Charlotte. Just nice to absorb that atmosphere, wasn't it? It was really nice to absorb that lovely, wonderful atmosphere. I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> Watching the players warm up. So um. Yeah. Joe Linton ran one in the back of the net. Um, so Dubravka pulled off a nice save in the warm-up. And so Jacob Murphy um, missed a couple. So happy oh, tears. There you go. Emil, let's get back to sort of the team and the yep. football and tonight. How does it make you feel? Do you feel any more or less confident about us staying up? Um, or do you think that that question in the context of a Liverpool game, a Man City game, is reasonably irrelevant? Uh, I think this is one of those games and I'm hoping that Man City will be the same where you can look at it and go, if we play like that every week, we'll be fine. And uh, th that's one of those those normal things that Newcastle get, you know, gets, get that said about us quite a lot towards the end of a season, certainly did last season. Um, I, I think there's definite positives to take from that. Um, I, I, it, it's like Norman says, it, it's it doesn't feel like disappointment. The the timeline on Twitter and everywhere else doesn't feel like it, it's a loss. It doesn't feel like people are focusing on the fact that we conceded three goals uh, or seven in a week. Um, I think that there's plenty to take from that. That at least we can we can go into Man City with the home crowd, albeit if it goes ahead. I'm just praying that we've got some people there, um, and the game stays on. So yeah, I mean, why are you against... praying that it stays on? Well, well, I mean, I just want to, I just want to live my life, Charlotte. I really do. <laughs> I just need it. Give us the break. Um, but yeah, no, I. Um... Yeah, I think that no one went into this. You made a really good point, Charlotte, about um, if, if you if you expect disappointment. Um, to quote a Spider-Man film that I've seen this week, if you expect disappointment, you can never be disappointed. So with that one, I think everyone went in uh, with the whole, you know, it was almost like, it's going to be 6-0, it's going to be 5-0. Oh, you know, just oh, take take the first 10 minutes off and just let them let them run around for a little bit, Liverpool. It's, it's not the end of the world if we lost it. And I think that ultimately it, it's not a disastrous result. Um, um, individual errors that Eddie Howe did not make um, have unfortunately uh, cost us the game once again. And and yeah, the Lewis the Lewis injury really did shape it. And and Mike Dean had a hand in it as well. I'm not trying to blame other factors, but when you're playing against former European and League champions, what can you expect? I think we, that's all we could have asked for them from them. Even that's that's it, isn't it? It's like I I don't feel any. In fact, I feel more upbeat having watched that tonight particularly after Leicester where we just completely capitulated yeah. and there was I enjoyed no it. defense Pardon? I enjoyed the game I enjoyed the game it was yeah, it was yeah, a good yeah. watch I thought good we watch. brought a game to them we brought a game to Liverpool tonight and and um yeah Liverpool won that's what Liverpool do they're very good at winning um but I don't personally feel that it has 
hindered or helped our relegation prospects at the moment. And I didn't go into it thinking this is a make or break game. Our make or break games are our Burnleys, our Southamptons, our um, Everton maybe. You know, those are the games where we probably expect and need to be picking up significant points. But three, it's only three. I don't know why I say significant. But um, but. This was not one of those. Norman, do you agree or do you feel like the performance you saw tonight is not the one of of, of a team that's going to stay up? I, I can't see how you would, but... I don't think regardless how we play, played against Liverpool, you would have been able to walk away thinking, oh, that's that's a performance of a team that's seen up, unless we beat them, obviously. But, you know, the chances that happening were very slim. Um, so even if we'd been, like, absolutely toured off them and it had been, like, 4-0 and they dominated from start to finish, we'd created nothing... I still, even then, would have thought, well, it's Liverpool away, right? I mean, they, they do this to many teams better than Newcastle. Um, so what I saw did give me... I suppose it's just a continuation of what we've seen so far, right? You know, obviously the Leicester game was poor, but even then you could argue for the first sort of 30 or 40 minutes, we, we were all right. What's killing me at the minute is just the lack of personnel. And as I've said on numerous occasions this week, 14 years of absolute mismanagement. You know, I, mm. I said the other day that... We started the Mike Ashley era with Sam Allardyce in charge and we ended up with Steve Bruce in charge over the course of 14 years. That tells you all you know about how utterly neglected Newcastle United Football Club has been in the new ownership. And anyhow, now we're having to deal with those cards that have been dealt right until they can bring in their own players, a few of them over the window, until they can have a full summer, until they can carry out root and branch changes that are absolutely desperate at the club. They're dealing with what they've got and what they've got is 14 years of absolute mismanagement and neglect. So there were signs today that, that they're kind of heading down the right path. We were organised, we were up for the fight, and ultimately we took the lead at Anfield, and not many teams do that, and there was a little bit of hope there. Um, what I will say is that I'm not going to get overly excited about a 3-1 defeat um, being uh, full of positives, because from where I was watching it, which, you know, I, I love being behind the goal because you get to see the full pitch, right, in terms of how, how teams are laid out in front here and when teams are pressing, and what players are doing off the ball. I think I personally prefer watching from behind the goal and than the, the side of the pitch. And um, for, for the view you get in Liverpool, honestly, like when you've got the ball, when we had the ball right, they press, I mean, in serious numbers as well. I'm talking like when Dubravka's got the ball right, three of them are just are just steamrolling towards him. It is like a tsunami. It is just this ongoing wave after wave after wave. And yes, we were undone on one level by individual mistakes, but ultimately when you're facing that amount of pressure, right, that amount of incessant pressure, you're going to slip, like, you're going to slip, and I don't care who you are, and we, we've got relatively average players for the Premier League, so we're going to get more slips than, like, a top-quality defender would under that amount of pressure, for example. So I'm not too downbeat about the, the result, I'm not too downbeat about the performance, but at the same time, you know, we're still in a world of trouble because we're 17 games and we've got one win, so... My God, we desperately, desperately need a run of two or three wins off the spin. It was never going to happen. It was never going to start at Liverpool. So let's not dwell for too long. Eh? It it did look like Newcastle were playing with 10 men. That's not because it, it was anything to do with us. It, it's the way that Liverpool play. In, in contrast, the Norwich game, we did have 10 men and it was a very similar performance where Newcastle were really giving it the role, but ultimately fell at the final hurdle trying to keep the, game, um, keep the ball out. And uh, it was where the player would have been. So... Drawing the comparisons of that and being like, well, what if we play like that against a, a lower league team? 
think we can give any of these teams next year a game. And I think we just look at this nightmare run uh, at the end of the year and we're thinking, oh man, but I, I put in my little thing about the art uh, in one of the articles. Um, you know, there's going to be a twist somewhere. Newcastle aren't uh, incapable of of pulling off one of these shock results. And if it's going to happen, I didn't think it was going to happen against Liverpool. I think that the next two home games are are massive in that respect. Um, and, and then we've we've got other ones to come. And we, I, I still think that there's there's a slip somewhere that that, that these big teams will something will happen. Um, so it's it's going to be very very interesting how the next couple go. Well. It is. And, you know, yeah, there are a couple of things I look at, right? I look at Leicester City the season before they won the league under Nigel Pearson when they were battling relegation. They won seven of the last nine games. That's a big ask, right? But it's possible. Mm -hmm. Also, if Omicron doesn't destroy football for the next month or so, then you have to remember that the Christmas period is a funny time in any way. Any team can slip up because the games come thick and fast. The injuries pile up. The tiredness sets in. And odd results do happen. They really do. Um, You know, I've seen Newcastle... Still lose like albeit, but four three and seven three Arsenal away. Manu away four three Arsenal seven three, which is weird. But like goals flying in left, right, and centre. So you know, I'm not, I'm not discounting even these next two games, the Everton game or the Southampton game. I don't see why we can't come out of those four games with five or six points, and that puts us in a really decent position going the um into the new year. So I'm not, I'm definitely not throwing in the towel by any stretch of imagination. Absolutely not. And um, on that sort of positive note, we will pause here for some probably quite American adverts. If you don't like the adverts, do remember that we are on Patreon. We are around £6.60 because it's it's there's VAT. Who knew, you guys? There's VAT. Um, but you get heaps of extra content and you don't have to listen to adverts. So do consider joining us if you're if you haven't already. If you have, why are you listening to the adverts? It's so weird. Um, okay. We'll be back in one second. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to part two of the True Faith podcast post-Liverpool. Um. I just want to talk, get into the players today, um, Norman and Emil. So, uh, you know, I don't want to get stuck into any of them necessarily, but what I want, what I, the overall thing that I really wanted to say, watching it on the TV tonight, is how they looked at the end and and how, like, 
and how I interpret that. So, like, the camera was on, after their third goal, the camera was on Murphy, and he just looked gutted. He looked exhausted and gutted, and he loves, I think he really loves playing for us, and he plays really hard. And Hayden's the same. I know there's lots of, like, controversy about him going to but like was it a was it a false injury regardless the play should have been stopped so that so if he was clutching his head I think that's just a fact but wasn't so whatever um these are players that are really committed to this cause they I don't know that has been I mean we're seeing incremental changes week on week in the way that we're playing and that is really positive too. But the most stark thing for me is this commitment, this renewed commitment from this bunch of players and seeing it on the pitch tonight. I just, I don't know. It was just, it was just, it was, it was very striking for me. I don't know if you got a sense of that in the away end, Norman. I did. Certain individuals, definitely. Um, he hadn't come back in the team. I thought it was a, a clever call. What I will see is that his ability to, to screen the defence and put in tackles and blocks it's slightly negated by the fact that there was one or two occasions where he kind of broke forward and he doesn't really know what to do when he breaks forward a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, that's that's not his fault, right? That's just the fact that we like a genuine quality box-to-box midfielder and do things in, in both, both halves of the pitch, right? But in terms of his commitment, you can't follow it. He was putting himself in the way. As I said already, Ryan Fraser was getting stuck in. Jamal Lewis was excellent for the small amount of time he was on the pitch. Um, Jamal Lascelles, a big shout out. I thought he looked incredibly committed tonight. He led and also he screamed in Mike Dean's face on a couple of occasions, which is exactly what you want to see from your captain. But also when it's Mike Dean, everyone has a license to just scream in his face because the man's a... I'm not, as again, I won't criticise him. He's bizarre. He's a bizarre man. Um, More than a shoe in the text message. He's, a, he's an absolute <laughs> an utter shoe of a man. Um, um, take that as a criticism or a compliment, Mike, whichever way you want to look at it. Um <laughs> the, the commitment was definitely there. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I thought John Joe Shelby worked his socks off. Murphy, as you see, it worked his socks off. They all did. They all put the effort in. The mm. only player that there may well be a little bit of criticism level at, and there were people booting off about it around me. I mean, booting off. And you can probably guess what I'm going to say, right? Is ASM, the injury that he sustained in the second half, a lot of people were convinced that he just didn't want to be on the pitch. Now, he looked like he was in quite a bit of pain to me. Um, however, Liverpool just wouldn't put the ball out. They wouldn't put the ball out. Um, so, on that one, he did look like he was in pain. He was limping around. Uh, and then and the ball came towards them and he ran after it and he was fine. And then he lit, went back to limping. I, I think once I think once the, the camera had panned off him, that, that, the period that the ball was with him was, was so minuscule. It was like a minuscule amount of time. And obviously, maybe yeah. adrenaline kicked in. Um, okay. Look, I'm going to reserve criticism of Alan Samaxman because... Let's find out whether or not he's injured. If he's injured for the next game, then it's the hands up. If he's not injured and there's nothing wrong with him, it's like, why are you doing that, mate? There was no wrong with you, clearly. Um, yeah. But even then, to throw at him that he wasn't necessarily putting it all in, in the first half, I thought he was excellent in patches. You know, there was that one chance I was at, it was at the opposite end of the pitch. I don't know how close it was. I don't know if it was a great save or what, but he, he no, darted through chance. the middle. He darted, he darted through the middle, and I think Alisson pulled off a good save, did he? Should he have done better with the finish? I, I, as I say, it's, it's at the other end of the pitch, so you, you don't necessarily kind of see it the way that you would see like on, on TV or, or behind the goal. But um, I the two was, defenders that came in, Norman, uh, to be fair, he, he got through and he did really well to get the shot to off, where he did. And I mean, yeah, like I say, he got it on Alisson. I don't think it was a terrible one, but I, I was just going to quickly jump in and say, I think that it's weird because today... It was almost like the spread of a virus, if you like, just to be very uh, contemporary about it. But 
it started this morning. Alan Samaxman puts a video on of some of his skills. And look, we all know that that's not him running that Twitter account or anything else because players don't do that, no matter what we think. And th- there was a real feeling like, oh, well, you were crap against Leicester. What are you putting that on for? And it's like, well, he puts it on every week. And it's like, oh, I think he's only doing it for himself. He's putting it on. And, and that snowballed throughout the day. I've never seen the tide turn so quickly against a player before even putting a foot on a ball. And then when he started up front on his own, it's a bit of a thankless task to have all of that criticism coming your way and then to start up front with your best goal scorer on the bench. There's obviously going to be a bit of animosity. And then from that, I don't think he was terrible. Like you say, first half, really good. And he got through and um, yeah, okay, by the end. But I always think that it's part of his character. And, And I've screamed at him before for doing it, but he always does look lethargic when he's, when he's like wandering about. Like, I think he's got that element of feeling sorry for himself. It's that NUFC French man. It, it happens to us all. We had it with Ben Arthur. We've compared it all the time. Do you know all the spatters dummy out now? And then Robert took his clothes off when he wasn't happy. It, we just seem to pick them up out of nowhere. It's like a, the bad boys of France come to Newcastle and uh, they do this. But I don't think he was terrible. Um, I think that there's just a bit of an air of, you're not really doing it, son. So what, what are you doing? I would I would counter your it started this morning with it started at Leicester when he went straight down the tunnel. Yeah. Start the, with a kiss. The, the yeah, the start with a kiss. Started with a kiss. <laughs> How the did the end up like this? <laughs> um yeah, the um it's I, I think crowds because he's been quite an inconsistent player and, and because at Leicester he's drifting into the middle and, and not really being effective um in the way that we've seen that he can be. And because he's this sort of is this fun flair player with not a not a ton of discipline, um, we're seeing the crowds like ever so slightly think. Well, does he think he's bigger than this now? Does he think he's like, I, you know? I think there's a lot of of reaching. I think there's a lot of reading into stuff that he's doing um, that maybe isn't necessarily true. But um, he's like the anti Shelby, you know, in the way that Shelby. You know, when he was when he was with well, it, I guess it's different because he's got even better under Howe. But when Shelby was with Rafa and Shelby with Bruce, mm. I guess Sam Maximan is like the the um, the Bruce Howe. So it's weird watching that happen. But I think a lot of fans are longing for Sam Maximan to be the man that changes the game. But I think that what it was is that we are so used to seeing him be the the change in the game that we aren't used to maybe seeing more of a team effort once again. So we're, mm. we're back to Benitez ways where not one no one player is going to be the man who does it. Uh, you might get moments of flares that can change it, but I think that now it's away from Bruce's thing of, there's your star man, get it to him. We said this and now it's just different, isn't it? Norman, I put it to you that there is a star man and it's Joe Linton. <laughs> what do you think? Star man's a bit of a story. <laughs> um, I did have this discussion pre-match with a couple of people and it's the... You know, there's an element of the uh, Joe Linton window to it that he's playing well now because he played so poorly for so long. But actually, if you look at it from a, a kind of if you look if you looked at it from a behind the veil perspective, and you just saw him without, you know, you never seen him before, and you saw him play, you think he's doing all right. He's doing all right. You know, he's a half decent player, isn't he? I think we're maybe possibly looking at his performances as being outstandingly fantastic because they were pretty terrible for a significant amount of time. However, that's not to take anything away from the lad, right? Because today, his commitment cannot be faulted. I mean, this kid is putting the graft in. He's shouting, cajoling his teammates. There's a leader in there, actually. I think there's a leader in there. Um, blocking, 
He is. Really he's very, very, and also like he's just, he seems to be getting bigger. He seems to be getting more muscular. Um, he's when, definitely when I, lo- like like he's. I don't know. I don't. It was never fat. Then, 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 then he was, he was, I thought he looked like he was carrying a bit of timber to me under Bruce, which is not a surprise given Bruce's, you know, kind of, um, you would say, um, lesier fair attitude towards fitness. Um, and Joe Linton is now, to me, it looks like he's turned, I, I bet he had like 2% body fat before, you know what I mean? I'm saying timber. He had like 2% body fat. Now he's got 1% body fat, 99% muscle, not even organs, just muscle um, and a little tiny bit of fat. But um, he was, he was brilliant. He was, you know, winning headers, putting tackles in, as I say, mm-hmm. blocks, making himself available for the ball, always looking for a kind of a quick turn of a possession. He, for me, was probably today, looking at it now, I might change my mind tomorrow when I've reflected a bit more, but he's probably the best performer, or at least the performer that I enjoyed watching more than any other. Uh, you could argue Dubravka made some fairly outstanding saves as well. But um, in terms of Mercurial Frenchman, uh, Emil mentioned in there, look, ESM is a Mercurial footballer, right? He's a Mercurial talent, and we know that there are going to be occasions where he completely drifts out of games and ultimately we're in a relegation battle at the minute. So it's like, well, can we afford of a player who isn't necessarily putting it in? No, not really. But is there still a rule for Alan Maximum to play in this team? Yes, there is. However, is that rule a one from the bench, perhaps in certain games to affect games later on? Yes. I think what we saw tonight was Ryan Fraser came in and I think Ryan Fraser really put a shift in. And whereas Ryan Fraser might not offer that, that maverick, kind of star talent that ASM does, what he did offer was a, a, a graft and a discipline. So there is, you know, there, there are questions to be asked, but quickly on nicknames, I just want to say it because you mentioned Laurent Robert, whose nickname in France was the Volcano. Um, <laughs> but if you want a good nickname for a French player, he played for Senegal, but he's born and raised in France. Papa Boubou Diop's nickname was Lamois, the, mo- the wardrobe. That's the best. No, <laughs> the wardrobe. Who's Newcastle's uh, wardrobe? That's what I want to know. It, well, I mean, it, it was Big Mo, wasn't it? But God, what to have Big Mo back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Emil, did you want to touch on Dubravka before we? Oh yeah, I, you know I thought he had a good game. I, I think. Oh, okay. For yeah, for what he for what he did, um, there was some really good saves early on. A few acrobatic ones. There was no stopping that that Trent one, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I think that maybe if you put Darlow or one of the lesser experienced keepers in that position, then you might have had a few more frustrations. I think that that was one of those games where Dubravka did everything he could to to stop what he could. Uh, first goal, he did actually save from, from Jota the first time. Yeah. The commentators yeah. even pointed out it was a good save. Um, when he's in that, when Jota's right next year, there's not much you can do. But again, the refereeing decision has obviously impacted that one. Second one, it was Shelby's pass. And then the third one is just one of the most remarkable goals. And Mike Dean was in the way, uh, may we add. Um, you know, the, the late check to will be turning in his grave about uh, someone blocking the view and having flashbacks to Joe Hart, uh, not being able to see the fact that Teote scored an absolute screamer. Yes, we've never forgotten about that one. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just three goals where the luck isn't with you. And it only happens to lower league opposition, those things. Uh, it doesn't happen to the teams at the top. I'm not saying it's uh, corrupt or anything like that. Conspiracy. We've, we've said before, when you're at the bottom and you're down and out, the luck's not with you. Um, and that means that teams like Liverpool don't have to pull out of the like lower gears. Um, so can I'm afford gonna, to do that. I'm going to um, talk about that before we wrap up. Um, but Norman, did you want to ask me something? I did. The Ryan Fraser incident, that to me did not look like a penalty in a million years. However, I'd imagine there was some booting off about it. Was there any, was there any kind of question that it could have gone, it should have gone to VAR? 
So lots of arguments with my dad on that one because he said, no, he gets the ball. Mike Dean says, no, he gets the ball. I don't think, I think, I think penalty personally because he, he undercuts him and he comes in like first before we even, before, and he, uh, like, I, you could argue that it, he didn't get the ball. I, it doesn't move the trajectory of the ball. Um, so a lot of people saying yes, penalty, a lot of people saying no, got some, got the ball. It's a, it's a, it's a fine tackle. Personally, I think if that happened to Liverpool, they'd be having a penalty. But um your call made a very good point as well, saying, you know, anywhere else on the pitch argument, um, if it if it had been anywhere else on the pitch, you know, you're getting that. And I think that we've yeah. seen that happen so many yeah. times. I mean, Leicester, Leicester went down every single time someone was in about an inch of them. And and then yeah. same same thing happened with um Burnley quite a lot. They go down really easily. So it's it's just those the Mike Dean show once again. I definitely, I would have like some of the penalties I've seen so far this season. That one, that one was one. But Arsenal the day before as well. That that was yeah. that was another question, wasn't it? But it didn't. But it didn't. <sighs> anyway, we're not, getting, we're not getting the rub of the green. Oh, um, I'll put um, I'll put this uh, question to the two of you. So in the stadium, when it was two one after about sixty minutes, you had the subs warming up. Um, yeah. With great enthusiasm, but not unlike Musa Sissoko um, during the 2016 Euros when he wasn't warming up at all until the camera turned on him. It was nothing <laughs> like that. These players were genuinely warming up. Um, and at that point, you're thinking 2-1 Dune, looking back at how Villa played against them when, Liverpool, uh, when Villa kind of defended deep, soaked up a lot of pressure. They got the penalty after 75 minutes and then Gerard just went all out attacking for the last 15 minutes and they almost nicked something. And at 2-1, I was thinking, and I was discussing this with Mark, is now the time to bring on a triple substitution, Bobby Robson style, Almiron, Willock and Wilson. I would have liked to see that personally. Look, again, as I say, it's Liverpool away. How knows what he's doing? I don't have a clue. But would either of you two, or did either of you two, discuss the possibility of substitutions being made earlier? Uh, I always I always think that every single game I go to, I'm like, why has a sub not been made? But then I get told, like, you know, if, it, if it's working. Um, I don't know, maybe Howe's a bit scared at the minute, because really... He's probably still affected by the Leicester game in thinking, right, if I do too much attack here, Liverpool will, will really go full pelt and we'll, we'll end up losing 6-1 or something like that. I think that by the time Wilson came on, they were trying towards the end and, and, and Wilson did bring a, a fair bit of uh, quality up top. I mean, there was a lovely touch that he put in at one point and, and even McManaman, even Steve McManaman said that that was pretty good despite the fact that he went... Did he mean that? Did he mean to do that? And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, man, you, you're getting on my tits here. But he, um, yeah, Wilson, it's one of those games where it wasn't going to be the onslaught that we had towards the um, the end of, of the match uh, last season at Anfield, where it was just rush after rush after rush, getting the penalty. And um, Willock, obviously, getting the, the, the initial thing. Willock's not the same player, really. So bringing him on. Is, is it's hard to say if it would have the same impact. I don't know. I'd like to think so. I didn't, to answer your question, Norman, I didn't think let's go all out because I still felt that we were attacking a little bit. I felt like one change, the Wilson change, would probably be an appropriate one. Although having said that, 
some some fresh pace like Almiron would would have been exactly would have been... May, May, Almiron would have been May go to yeah. Like I could see that, but I can also time. see the argument to not because we have another big game against another attacking side on Sunday. So keep those legs as fresh as possible. Um, it's an interesting question. I'd be interested to hear what our listeners think as well. Um, I'm going to round us off now. We've got uh, we've done we've done about 34 minutes. I just want to say that I'm seeing some comments, and and a couple of you have said. Uh, a couple of you, there are only two of you. You have said a couple of times, you know, Liverpool only shifting out of like they're only in second, third gear. I don't agree. I think we were really they were they played really well in the first half, and we kept a hold of them. Um, I, I I honestly do think we 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 didn't win. It was a pretty a pretty appropriate result for the for the the class that was on the pitch, but. I just I'm not buying they were only in second gear that like I'm not I'm not buying it we don't have loads of time Norman I'll give you one quick counter argument because you've put your hand up first yeah and you can't you can't just end on a point that you've made and not let me counter that's outrageous doing that that's taking liberties <laughs> and your role as a host um look points in that game they had to really kind of graft right they really yes, did this is it. but I'm talking more more in the second half it, it did get the stage where that had that much of the ball that dominated that much we were blown and Liverpool were kind of just wound in a bit. And like, the, it, it, I think if we equalised and made a twos each, the, they probably still could have stepped up yet again. Whereas for us, that would have been like the pinnacle because it would have been shattered, putting all the effort into getting that defending and then getting a second goal. I think they probably could have shifted up. So yes, many positives to take from it. But I will say that Liverpool in that second half did ease off ever so slightly. But they're one of the best sides in the world. There's no shame in that for us. Yeah, and I was just going to say as well, I, I don't mean that Liverpool are necessarily playing like that, but when you're missing Van Dijk and Fabinho and they obviously had the changes before the game, I think that we only... I mean, Liverpool can be even better than their their fifth gear is basically what I'm trying to say. They, they were going full pelt, but I, I still think that big teams as a whole can sometimes afford to do that against teams like Newcastle. If that was Liverpool against Chelsea, you might see fully fluid football. Mane wasn't at his best today. It's not necessarily that they were meaning to play in third gear. I just think that they were a bit hindered, so they were, they were forced into it slightly. I understand, but I still think... I, I'm still... I'm still pushing this my agenda i'm finishing it now pushing my agenda, but... stop being a shoe charlotte yeah i can't help it i'm just a big <laughs> shoe all right thank you yeah, so big much shiny shoe big <laughs> shiny shoe we will be back after the man city game uh should it uh, occur um with the next free podcast in the meantime if you've enjoyed this please do consider joining our patron it's around six pound 60 per month for loads of um extra content that includes previews with keith gillespie and warren barton it includes previews that we do it includes loads of other stuff um and that is inclusive of vat so you don't even need to think about it so thank you so much for listening today and we'll be with you soon take care